Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of January 29, 2023. The Kentucky Council of the Blind invites everyone to participate in our Valentine's Day fundraising auction on Saturday, February 11 on our Zoom line. Regardless of where you live, you can get in on the fun with bidding and buying. Proceeds will support both KCB and chapter activities. Items up for bid so far include technology, jewelry, food and homemade treats, braille cookbooks, music boxes, beautiful bags and purses, and items perfect for your home and for you. Register to bid in our auction by calling KCB at 502-895-4598. The 2023 American Council of the Blind President's Meeting and Legislative Training will be virtual on Zoom and ACB Media from Saturday, March 4th through Tuesday, March 7th. This important opportunity will help us all to learn more about ACB and how we can work together on issues that can help people who are blind or who have vision loss. Programs will be heard on any computer, cell phone, landline phone, Alexa device, or Victor Stream. Registration for this event is now open. KCB will pay the $25 registration fee for all of our members who want to participate. Take advantage of this opportunity by calling the KCB office at 502-895-4598 no later than Friday, February 17. If you're not already a KCB member, you can pay your dues at the same time, just $8 for 2023 or $40 for a life membership. Caution! If you are registering for the training through KCB, please do not also register directly with ACB. If you plan to attend the training but do not wish to participate as a KCB member, contact ACB directly at 612-332-3242 or visit the ACB website at www.acb.org. The following meetings and events will be held on the KCB Zoom line. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 862-9889-6972. KCCLV will hold its February virtual meeting at 8 p.m. on Wednesday, February 1 on the KCB Zoom line. The GLCB quarterly meeting for February is on Friday, February 3 and it's a hybrid event. The in-person activities will be at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. Dinner is at 5 p.m. and is $6 per person, and the bargain table will open at 6. The program will begin at 7 p.m., both in person and on the Zoom line. For those attending in person, please make return rides by 9 p.m. Let us know if you'll be coming in person and having dinner Give us a call at 502-895-4598. Terry Turlop, President of the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana, will be the guest speaker at the SCKCB Social Hour this coming Wednesday, February 1, from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time on the SCKCB Zoom line. Call 669-900-6833 and enter the code 763 
689-4411. A topic that seems to come up over and over again in conversation is how to obtain services from our state agencies that serve people who are blind or visually impaired. The Kentucky Office of Vocational Rehabilitation serves young people and adults from ages 14 to senior citizens. It can pay for college or technical school, provide the technology needed for a job, help with placement, help people who are losing their vision to learn to live more independently in their homes, and much more. But some people seem to receive more help than others, and some counselors seem to be easier to work with than others. Debbie Green is a retired rehabilitation counselor who is blind. As a counselor, she was known to be fair and to work well with her clients. Debbie was the speaker at the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision January 18 support group meeting, and she shared information and answered questions about how individuals could go about obtaining services in a wide range of situations. She emphasized the need for establishing goals and relating requests to areas that can be provided by the agency. Listen to this presentation on page 2 and discover how to get the help you need from your voc rehab or independent living counselor. Thanks to Adam Rushevel for editing this presentation for time. Listen to Soundprints each week on ACB Media 1, the mainstream channel. We also invite you to listen on the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org or on our information line 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at 773-572-6318. For more information about Soundprints and to subscribe to our CD version, which is free and playable on any standard CD player, call the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502-895-4598. Page 2. Years, Debbie? About 20 years. And part of that was in um, uh, Hazard. Um, okay. And then I was, I was a district a sectional manager for a while. And then I went back to counseling uh, over here. I opened the office here in Elizabethtown when it opened. I was the first Okay. Counselor. Great. Yeah. I'm just yeah. going to turn it over to you. And uh, you can, you know, take questions along the way or do your presentation and then take questions, however you'd like to do it. So the time okay. is yours. And... Thanks for uh, agreeing to be our guest. Oh, you're more than welcome. So, thank you very much for letting me be here, for inviting me to be here. Um, thought about um, uh, what, how I could kind of caps, um, capture what I feel is the crucial components of that, that relationship, or a good relationship with your rehab counselor. And, and I really think the bottom line um, across the board is communication. Um, I, I think that's true for in a lot of areas in life, but, but in this scenario especially. So the, the, the process, as you guys know, um, is, is that when you are, feel like you need some services from the rehab agency, the, um, you, you make a connection with them, um, and the first step in the process is, to, is to, for them to determine eligibility. And, and that's where a lot of problems um, uh, come. 
Um, and so my my thought about that, and, and I had to, I had to, uh, I had to be real careful about this because the federal government and the state government have some very specific guidelines on what is eligibility. Um, uh, that it it is um, that you have to have a disability. It has to be bad enough that it interferes with your ability to work or to live independently. And you need to have a goal, a work goal, or an independent living goal. And if, and if none of those three um, fit the criteria, then as bad as the counselor might want to help you, uh, they, they can't because it's, it's, a, it's a misallocation of funds if they provide services to someone who is not eligible. I know there was a, a time in my office where uh, someone had uh, applied for services in <clears throat> uh, the criteria at that time, and it's probably similar now, um, is that they, it had to be the person's vision had to be uh, 2060 uh, with corrections. And so the person had gone to the eye doctor and had gotten an eye report I'd gotten that report, and the my secretary uh, didn't understand the process uh, as well as she should have. She got the report, and it said that that the, that, that person's visions was correctable. It was like 2080, but it was correctable to 2020. But and they recommended glasses, and so the client had called the office and said, "Are you guys going to be able to get the glasses?" And my secretary had said. Uh, yeah, they're recommending it here. Yeah, we can get them. And then she came and told me that that's what she had said. Well, that person clearly, as you can tell, is not eligible. If a person's vision is correctable, they're not eligible for services. And she said, well, I just told them that they, I just told them that we could buy the glasses. And I said, well, then you have to call them back and tell them you were wrong. Because <laughs> I cannot buy it. I cannot buy glasses. Uh, that person technically does not have a visual disability. Uh, and, and that was going by the eligibility criteria. The criteria often includes visual field limitations, but of course acuity, and then it has to be tied into a person's abil uh, ability to work or not and, and their goals, okay? But communicating in that process is, is essential. Um, I think it's real important for for a, a consumer to to be to ask the right questions to say, okay, what is the eligibility criteria here? Be you know, let's make the counselor be specific with you, so that you know exactly what what you're uh, what you're looking at, and you would be able to determine your own eligibility if they can give you that information. Um, being sure to ask the questions that you don't understand, keep asking until you do. Um, I think another thing then in relation to the eligibility is the one piece. I think being being clear yourself about what you need from the agency. Um, after I retired from state government, it, it was a couple years, I I wanted to go back to school and get the additional graduate courses I needed to become a licensed professional counselor in LPCC. 
And so I was able to go back to that office where I used to work <laughs> and, and say, I want to go back to work. Um, and But I need these additional graduate hours to do that. And they were able to do that. Now, I understood, you know, what I needed, what I needed to say. If a person has, um, has a goal of being independent in their home, then I think it's important to, to, uh, be able to, um, articulate, you know, here's where I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble cooking. I'm not sure what the answer is. I, I can't, I can't handle my thermostat. I don't, um, and I'm having trouble with doing laundry because I can't see the dials, you know, and, and to be clear about what you need, that's really helpful for then the counselor to be able to say, okay, we, I'll refer you to an independent living counselor. And, and in the agency, there, that person, there are two, they are two different people. The, the voc rehab counselor who helps people find employment and the independent living counselor who helps with independent living concerns are two different people. Uh, I talked with the independent living counselor that covers this area here around Elizabethtown. He covers 19 counties. I had no idea. Um, when I was a counselor, I covered nine count counties in this area. So they, they do have a wide area that they cover. Um, so it, it may be that they can't, can't, um, get to you that week. Um, but, but again, I think being, understanding what you need and being able to articulate that um, is, is an important part of this. Again, uh, there are federal and state um, guidelines, criteria, not guidelines, criteria for spending the money, and the counselor has to abide by those um, or it's illegal. So there were times as a counselor that I really did want to do a lot more than what I was able to do, uh, just because of the criteria. I, and I would, I would express that. You know, I'd really like to do this, but here's the criteria. Here's where you are with it. And so I'm so sorry, but I'm not going to be able to to help. There was um, one time um, I had a, was having a conversation on the phone with, um, just to illustrate that, um, with a person from the hospital. Uh, one of my clients was having uh, medical services done and we were paying for it, but the way that it worked then is that there was a per diem, a per day price that the agency had agreed to pay. Um, and it was much less than what the, the hospital charged, but it was an agreement that someone had made. And I'm on the phone with this lady from the local hospital and I'm telling her we're, you know, we're, we're going to be able to pay the, the per diem of X amount, and she said, oh, that is not at all what we charge. We charge, so maybe, for example, I was going to pay 300 and the fee was 800 normally, you know. And she said, well, we charge 800 I said, well, I am only able to pay 600, 300 And she said, well, that's not going to work. I said, um, actually, it is going to work. <laughs> Uh, and I said, there's no point in you and I even discussing it because someone over your head and someone over my head um, made disagreement. Um, so it's not really up to you or up to me what this price is. They're, I'm being told. 
this is what I'm supposed to pay. And if if you you check it out, and if I'm if I'm wrong, call me back and tell me, because I'll I'll go to my sources and we'll we'll figure it out. But but so often I think some of the misunderstandings are are in that category, where where the counselor's hands are tied, and they can't do anymore. They absolutely need to be clear about that 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 is the reason. Um, I had uh, another story. Um, an individual who lived in another county um, uh, wanted he had a visual impairment. Uh, he wanted to go to work, so he was eligible in those regards. Um, but he, I wanted him. I didn't have any idea. Uh, I didn't have much of an idea of what kind of a job to even start looking for him for, because I didn't really know him that well. I needed to get some more information. Um, I think that's sometimes a problem too. The counselor doesn't know enough about the person and they need more information they need some evaluation they need a sometimes they want a psychological sometimes they want a vocational evaluation just so they can get nowhere to start you know in terms of looking for jobs well this person didn't really want to participate in any of that but the only thing he did want was for me to pay for him to have an apartment in Elizabethtown he wanted to move to Elizabethtown and for me to pay for a couple months of rent on an apartment so he could look for a job. Well, that that on paper might sound good, but I, I had no idea um, about his work potential. He, he wasn't willing to participate in evaluation of any sort. I, I, didn't, I didn't trust where he was with that. And so I told him, I'm, I'm sorry, I am not going to be able to do that. And he said, well, that's just not right. Because that's what I need. That's the next step in this process. I need to move to Elizabethtown. And I need someone to, you know, and he got a little hostile with me. And he said, I'm going to call your supervisor. What's her name? And I told her, told him. I said, do you want his number? You want her number? And he said, yes. So um, I was pretty um, open with my supervisor all those years. And so she knew that I... I was pretty generous at all the time that I could be. And so sure enough, he called her. I called her first, though. I got to her first. And I said, you're going to be getting a phone call. His name is yada yada. He thinks I am not being fair. And he's going to tell you that yada yada. And she said, okay, I'll handle it. And sure enough, you know, he did. And she called me. She said, "He's yeah, he's pretty mad. I said, okay, well, I don't, you know, I should I, can I do something? She said, no. You're already doing more. You probably should. Um, but no, you cannot do anything else. And then she said, he's going to come to the office tomorrow and demand that you close this case and that you uh, make, let him sign that paper that's going to close his case. And I say, well, Barbara, there, there isn't a paper like that. There isn't, a pa- there isn't a place. A client does not have to sign a paper to close their case. She said, I know. She said, but you need to create one. I said, okay, I can do that. So sure enough, there's on that one folder, on that one form, there's a place for this guy to sign that demanding that I close his case. And I did close his case. And I felt bad, you know, that I wasn't able to help him, but that that wasn't the direction that we were going to be able to go. And no, two more things. The um, I ran into a former client one time, and uh, she said, 
when she was low vision. She said, are you, are you Debbie? Are you Debbie Green that was the counselor? And I said, yes, I was. And she said, oh, well, my name is yada yada. And I, rem- I remembered her. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember you. How you doing? I remembered. I thought things went pretty well. She got, you know, and she, um, for her, and she ended up with a job, and that was great. And then she turned to her husband, and she said, honey, this is that Debbie Green I told you about. Uh, he said, oh, good to meet you, good to meet you. And then she turned back to me, and she said, I'll never forget the day that I was in your office, and you yelled at me. I said, what? I I don't think I yelled at you. I, I would not ever do that. She said, oh, yeah, you did. She said, and I remember the conversation. She'd come in, and she was losing her vision uh, just then as, as a in her 30-something. She had always wanted to go to college, but instead she got married, had kids, and decided that when her kids went to school, she'd go back to college. But now she's having trouble with her vision. And, and she was she was really sad that she wasn't going to be able to go back to school. And I had just told her, you know, that uh, we can help you. We can help you. And she said, but, uh, I don't know how, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and I said, is there, is there something besides your vision that is the problem? You know, I thought maybe I was missing something. And I, she said, no, it's just that I think I'm going blind and I don't think I can go to college. And I said, well... I know how to do that. I know how to go to college blind. I've done that. I'll tell you what to say to your professors. I'll get you mobility instruction. I'll help with the finances. I'll get your books recorded. I'll, I'll, you, we can do that. That's not a problem. We, I can help you do college blind if that's your only concern. <laughs> and she said, okay. And so she was willing to give it a shot. But that conversation is what she felt like was me yelling at her (laughs) and so anyway it was it was interesting when I talked to the low vision special or the not low vision the independent living person today um or maybe it was yesterday he said here's kind of a bottom line guys you remember he said we need clients or consumers as much or more than they need us and I thought that was real interesting for us to remember here. And that's absolutely true. If those counselors do not have successful consumers, uh, they, they look kind of bad at the end of the year. That's how, that's how a counselor is judged. At the end of the year, you count up the number of people that you were able to help. And, and that's, um, that's the number that, that your supervisor looks at on how effective you're going to be. So I don't know who the, I don't know the counselors that are in, in those positions now, and I hope they're all good ones. Um, but, but just remember that they, they've got, a, they've got something to lose. If they're not able to help you, it's not going to, it's not good for them either. I said, I think I said just a while ago, um, I tell people, I, I told people if they were ever transferring away from the Elizabethtown office to another part of the state, I would always connect them with that counselor that they were going to be having in the other part of the state. And often I would have to say, now here's the, the problem, though, you're going to have to work through this, is that counselor is probably good, but, but the problem is that they can see. And so, you know, you're going to have to work around that with them. So, <laughs> so it was... um. 
I, I love the job. As a matter of fact, like I told you, I was a counselor in Hazard. Uh, I've, some of you guys know me from way back then. Um, in the um, late 70s, moved to Elizabethtown, early 80s, and was a, well, uh, I was a counselor for four or five years, and then they were, uh, I was a supervisor for the eastern quarter of the state for uh, four or five years, and then moved to Elizabethtown, and again, they opened, they were just opening the office, and I uh, told my super, my boss, um, I really like counseling way better than I like supervision. So if there's a counseling position open, yeah, just please keep me in mind. And sure enough, that's what happened, and, and I loved it. So. so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so I'd love to talk about any, any things that you guys would like to talk about, any questions I can try to answer. I had a couple of people like that. <laughs> yeah. Did you? And yeah. One of them came in about, um, oh, right before everybody went to lunch one day. Yeah. And, um, and he, he got pretty angry because I wasn't going to do what he wanted. And he right. wanted to see my supervisor. Mm -hmm. And I was working at Ghostsmith Lane, so my office was on the first floor, and then most people were up on the second floor. Okay. And I knew my supervisor had mm -hmm. just gone to lunch and that he didn't have a habit of getting to lunch before one thirty. Okay. <laughs> I said, sure, his office is right upstairs, and you just go up, and I'm sure they'll have you, you know, they'll, they'll find a seat, and uh, you'll be right there when he comes back from lunch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he sat and waited an hour and a half. Debbie, when people ask for things, mm -hmm. um, and you know, you, you, they're right. They need a goal. They need to. They need to know what they want. Uh, sometimes I think people that are just losing their vision don't know what they want, and um, especially in that uh, independent living area, they may not know. Um, because they haven't been around the system, they haven't been around people with vision problems, and they haven't, uh, they don't even know what's available to them. Mm -hmm. So, how would you suggest they approach that that independent living uh, side, which you know is a little different because it doesn't have the vocational evaluations and all that? I guess I'm right. not sure. No. No, it, it would not. Um, I, two, two things come to mind. I, if, if the counselor is willing to come to your home, um, that would be fabulous. Just, you know, for the client to say, your consumer to say, you know, if you, if you can come to my home, I'd, I'd love that. Um, maybe you can see some things that, that I'm not seeing that I could use and we can, you can see how I got my house laid up and maybe laid out, and you can make some suggestions. Um, I think it's real. I think that's an important piece if the if the counselor is is able and willing to do that to make to make home visits. I, I think it's also important. I, there's so much when when I was um, when I was losing my sight back in, in my college years. I was in lived in uh, Pennsylvania at the time, and I went to a rehab center in in the Pittsburgh area, Greater Pittsburgh Guild for the Blind is what it was. I was there for 13 weeks, and that was huge. Um, 
uh, for there's no way I could have learned things that I learned and and you know built the confidence without being at a rehab center. And I know there's sometimes people kind of push back on that that um, there's 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 so much value in in that um, being away from your environment, being and and being around other other blind and visually impaired individuals. Um, and that's so I would I would encourage I would encourage people to to take advantage of, of the rehab facility, uh, even independent living kinds of scenarios too. Bill Wright. Uh, yeah, Uh-oh. I'm coming. I'm I'm coming in late, and I had another meeting. I apologize, but um, I would. You was talking about the um, independent living. Uh, I have a question. Um, I am blind. Been blind for a long period of time. Um, do you have to have a eye um, exam? Uh, to be eligible for independent living. Yes, there that criteria. There's still you still have to you still that counselor has to have a letter in their in the folder. That's other because that cri, that part of the criteria is the same. Um, that they a person has to have a visual disability. It you know otherwise you know it could be their cousin that they just want to buy some stuff for. You know, there, when when cases get audited, and that and that happens, you know, where some federal people come in or some state people come in, and they just randomly go pull pull cases, or they'll call you and say, you know, I want these three cases, put them in the mail today, um, and and that's one of the things they're going to look for is there is there a, an eye exam? Now sometimes, um, and I sometimes we. Did not have to have if 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 it's if it's a work related one we typically had to have a current one within six months. Um, but if the person's been blind for a long time or all their life, then sometimes it's okay if it's a couple years old. But but you know, people's visual situation changes over time. Uh, it doesn't usually get better, but it could. And and so there's there's a case to be made for having something that's relatively current um, besides just the person saying I've got a visual impairment but that that will be something that you would need to clarify with your rehab counselor you know how current does this have to be okay and, and, and Debbie this is this is Carla um, if, uh, if they do need to have that uh, exam have that um, I the evaluation in that folder, at least in the in the vocational side, um, the the office for the office of Oak Rehab pays for that. Correct. Uh, is that true in the independent living side as well? Yes, yes. That 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 part is would be the same as far as I, to the best of my knowledge, it was that was when I was the counselor. Yes. And so that's back to your story about the hospital. I had to smile yeah. about that one too. The anesthesiologist used to drive us crazy. Um, okay. Yeah. Because they never wanted to take the the voc rehab payment. Um, yeah. And they told me they just didn't need to work for that little bit of money. And that was back in the seventies. You can imagine. Yeah. What well, well that was, and that's why I told her there's no point in us yeah. even having this discussion. 
you know, yeah. because it's not up to me and it's actually not up to you. Right. You know, somebody over both of our heads has agreed to this. And right. In the same with what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so if, if they do have, if they do send somebody, if you really um, want something, you know, then what they're asking you to do is, is you take the time and the trouble to go get the evaluation. But they set up the appointment, and, and they send you to it, and they pay for it. Yes. Now, if, you, if you've been to an eye doctor or a medical doctor, medi- uh, you know, recently, then you can make the phone call and say, I'm applying for voc rehab services, and would you please send a, a letter to this address? Or, you know, sometimes you can make sure that that happens. And, and I would, if, if, and if I were a client, and I would offer to take that initiative, that might speed up the process a little bit um, to, to, for you to do any kind of legwork like that that would help the counselor. Sometimes the counselor has a specific doctor that they want you to see, um, and and that's uh, that was not the case for me. If they could choose, um, I normally wanted them to see an ophthalmologist uh, as opposed to an optometrist, just to um, make sure we were covering any any possible medical scenarios. I also was uh, was it was important that they. If if that if it was going to be beneficial at all that they see a low vision specialist, so that there if there was any magnification that would be helpful, we would we would know that right up front. Does it have to be an eye doctor, or can it be a medical, like just a regular, like a? No, for me it would have to be an eye doctor, and I actually go see an eye doctor once a year just for the fun of it. Yeah, but since they're paying for it. You know, it's kind of like, so what? You know, you're going to go yeah. see somebody. So right, that's right. Yeah, it, it's. it's I mean, a, what are some of the other There's other um, evaluations or examinations or reports that they want, and so can you tell us what some of those are? Sure. If if a person's a diabetic, you know, I would I would want a medical report. Um, there is, and if there is. Um, a person wants to go to college, um, I would want a psychological evaluation. Uh, those, those are the two. If there is um, any kind of mobility uh, challenge, you know, it might be good to see um, an orthopedist. So that, so that, see, the thing is, too, it's, it's evaluating what the person can and cannot do. I, I want to see that. But but I also want to know is there is there something that can we can do to correct some of these things? Because because there's sometimes people that have come that there there was something could be done to help in an area that they didn't know about, and because I was paying for exams in these other areas, you know I was able to help in areas that they weren't even expecting that I could. So that's um, and again like with diabetes, I think that's. That was absolutely, and again, if it was anything, anything that they ever, that they said to me that indicated that, that we needed to look a little closer at some things, then, then I would, I would request that, or that they have like a, a physical. And of course, then with college, absolutely a psychological. Um, and then if they could, and of course, you know, what if, if a person's newly 
lost sight recently, you know, they're going to need some kind of a mobility evaluation as well. They, you know, I'm going to need to know, are they going to be able to get around okay? Can they, are they going to be able to use a cane? Have they, they need, they need mobility training if they're going to be walking around on campus, let's say, or going to work in an office. Um, and I need to, I need to have some idea of what that's going to entail. Because when I write out my plan, I write up a plan, which um, it, it includes the, the overall goal, and then it has, like, intermediate objectives, so that it would be, like, you know, to maximize their visual functioning, um, make them, uh, help them to be a safe, a safe traveler, um, uh, help them orient to the school, you know, the, so I have intermediate objectives that, that all lead up to that one final objective. And again, you know what what the count the counselor needs consumers. <laughs> if if a counselor doesn't if if numbers are down, that's that looks bad for the counselor. Is it true, uh, Debbie, that if a person uh, needs? Because I know several people have asked me why I didn't go through the Department for the Blind when I went to um, leader for my training, and and I said, well, I said it's really hard to get just orientation and mobility training if that's the only thing you need and you know is that um has that changed is it still kind of hard if if the person's well i'm working but let's say somebody's not working uh could they still get uh o&m training or would they if they needed it or would they need to have some they'd probably need to have some other services that they need wouldn't they i i don't know that it I don't know that for sure. I, I would certainly, if I was the counselor and a person, if I could make the case but for this, here's, here's the way to think. If I don't get good O&M training, I'm not going to be able to keep on working. And you can easily make a case for that. You know what I mean? Um, and if you need to have more than one uh, objective, um, that that's uh, I was pretty good at coming up with stuff um, that a person could use. Um, yeah, you might need some additional uh, resource material at your job. You might there there might be some um, other kind of short term training that you could use that would enhance your employment. So if if your counselor tells you we cannot do just O and M. You're going to have to have a few more services. Um, then you then you just need to be creative and find a few more things that you need. <laughs> yeah. And I could help and, you think. Yeah. And if you're in independent living, uh, on that side of the coin, uh, and that would mean that you're, um, you know, usually uh, the in the older population and losing vision, it's easy to come with come up with all kinds of things. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, you don't even—you don't have to even think too hard, you know. Right. Yeah, like even cooking. You know, what keeping being safe with your cooking. Uh, again, you know, you're labeling your thermostat, your washer and dryer, all the and little. Safe is a big word, you know. You bet. And and um um, I forget what the other one. But yeah, this, with the with mobility around the house and again cooking and laundry and um, reading materials, you know, there's 
there's all kinds of things that a person around the house needs. So, yeah. And it's kind of interesting because pers- people, and, and you made this comment, I think, Carla, people who are losing sight and they're older, they they have no idea all the all the things that are available. Um, and again, if if they can at all, it would be so helpful if they could could spend some time at the rehab center um, uh, just to to get to get the intense training. Because see, if they're in their home, rehab the independent living counselor might be able to come, you know, twice a month, you know, over a period of six months. And but that's so limited compared to what they could get if they were at the center. And, and then again, they would connect with other blind people, and you know how it is. Sometimes you get more information from other blind people than you, than you do from your instructors. So. And now it's not always possible for an older person to, to do that. Debbie, I was at the McDowell Center yesterday for a meeting oh. on a totally different topic. Okay. Um, but after the meeting, you know, they're doing a massive renovation out there. They're totally redoing their dorm. Um, mm. They're they're totally redoing a lot of the well, like the cafeteria and the, uh, some of the instructional areas. I mean, it's a massive overhaul. Wow! And uh, and it's it's really, they have had a few I don't know three or four people that have been from out of town that they have been <clears throat> housing at a, a nearby hotel. Rather than you know, because they couldn't mm. stay in the dorm. I said they said they have fourteen people right now um, at the center, counting wow. the people that are staying at the hotel and the people that are coming in from Louisville. Uh, okay, you know, mm-hmm. a couple days a week or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But what is really, you know, was really kind of neat is um, they're going to be ready to reopen that dorm. Uh, later this year, okay. and they're going from, you know, how it in the past it was, you know, two two people to a room, and um, you know, in twin beds, the typical right school, mm-hmm. almost like a high school dorm or something. Yes. And they're redoing all of that. It'll be single rooms, and it's wow. it really nice. We were able to walk into the rooms and see um, the changes and so on. And a lot of other changes out there too, and uh, it will be a different place when it. Wow, that'll be interesting. It totally reopens, but they've made some other changes uh, out there as well. And I think they said now I could be wrong on this, but I think they said their capacity will be like twenty five. Well, if if they keep twenty five students in there all the time, that'll be a they'll be hopping. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And they said it's better. They're you know, to a certain extent, it's better for them to have some waiting list mm-hmm. than to have um, empty spaces, consistent empty spaces, because mm-hmm. that doesn't look good on those reports. So every person who goes there is on somebody's caseload. Correct. We don't tend to see it that way, um, but we are on somebody's caseload if if you go there as a, as um, you know, as a... Mm-hmm as a consumer and you can't go there otherwise um, right. so you know they're subject to the caseload rules and they're subject to um, you know having that counselor well the counselor is 
even though it's inside the same agency, there's a dollar amount related to every service and every day at that center, uh, whatever they get. And that comes off the, the client's, uh, off of the case. Um, it may, I don't know, there may be other sources too, but, you know, it's going to be charged off to somebody. It's not just like there's not a charge. So I, as a counselor, would be given at the beginning of the, we would go with the federal fiscal year, I would be told how much money I had to spend in that year. And and that's exactly right, Carla, that the, when I had someone at the center, I would, that would come out of my account. So yeah, that's exactly right. It would come out of my caseload money. And charged against that case and subject also, if, if there happens to be one that year, subject to the federal audit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone could come in and look at, well, did you pay for too many days? Did you pay for too few days? You know, what should you have done? And they look at all those progress notes. So the counselor is accountable. But that doesn't mean in saying all of that that uh, you as the client or the potential client shouldn't be asking for things or, um, you know, going and saying, hey, I need this or right. whatever. You know, I, I love your point, Debbie, that they need they need, um, they need need the consumers, the clients, uh, probably more than the client needs them. <laughs> because without clients, they don't have a job. They don't have anything. That's exactly right. And again, um, uh, when I was a supervisor, you know, that's that's what I went with, you know, at the end of the fiscal year. You know, we I want to see your numbers. And and they knew what I was talking about. <laughs> so, and, and so that's the the counselor wants their people to be successful. They want them to be successful. I did. I wanted my people to be successful. And and I did everything I knew to do to help them be successful. I didn't ever do anything illegal that I know of. <laughs> but but I pushed it right up to the limit um, so that I could help. As, so I could do as much. I, I want my, again, I wanted my people to be successful. And I think most counselors feel that way. But Debbie, what should a person do if they disagree? I mean, you had your example of the guy that, <laughs> of, of, of the guy and how it worked out. But, you know, that, that's kind of an extreme case. But, but what does a person do if they disagree? Uh, and how can they work that out to turn those into a positive? I think that, um, there is, there was with us, there was a consumer advocate person in Frankfurt. Um, that, that person's information, um, we gave it to the consumer at the point that we, when we took the application, gave them some paperwork. That person's name and phone number was on, on that document so that if they had a concern, um, they could call. Frankfurt or whoever that consumer advocate was and, and say, I'm, you know, my counselor and I disagree on this. I think this, they think this, you know, can you help, can you help us figure this out? That's, I would absolutely not hesitate. And I wouldn't hesitate to talk into a supervisor. If you don't feel like you're getting, getting what, what, you know, once you have done your due diligence to try to understand the eligibility criteria and based on what you understand and your situation, you feel like you are eligible, and they're telling you no. Then I, I, I think it's totally fine to talk to the supervisor. It's not, you know, counselors might be lazy. 
um, you know, and not not doing what they need to be doing. That's and and in that case, you do need to be proactive and talk to someone who can rattle some chains. So Restoria has her hand raised. What do you do if you don't feel that uh, you're getting service quick enough? I would talk to that consumer advocate person. I'll tell you one other thing with story that I that I do just in general, but I would absolutely do it in this scenario too. When you're talking with your counselor and they say, okay, I will get back with you about that. I need to check on this or this. I'll get back with you. I think it's a good idea, again, across the board to say, when can I expect to hear from you? And let them tell you. Um, it'll probably be by the end of the week or it'll probably be two weeks or whatever. And and then, you know, you you can say, okay, so if I don't hear from you by Friday, do you, you don't mind if I call you back? No, you should, you, you see what I'm doing? You're, you're kind of making them make a commitment. But I believe that information, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that by law, it's, they're, they're required to give you that information, you know, in the application process so that you, you have, you know who you can talk to. And if you haven't gotten it or whatever, or it's been some time and, you know, you, you got it at one point, but you don't have any clue where it is or whatever, um, that kind of information is say, on the website. And if you ask for it, you know, you can even ask the counselor to, to make that available to you, and they have to do it. Mm-hmm. Or even, you know, in, in my office, I, was, I would be totally fine if they would just ask my, when they called in and asked the secretary. Yeah. You know. Um, if whoever answers the phone, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a consumer with Debbie Green, and I, I need that number. I got that information, and there's a number, consumer advocate number. Could would you please look that up for me and let me, you know, tell it to me over the phone? Often the secretaries are able to give out that information too. Debbie, my name is Dave Wildey. I'm retired, and uh, I have vision. It's it's it's, it's very low vision in, in the left eye. I have a low vision specialist in Bloomington that I'm very fond of, and I have a retinal specialist. I go and get shots every couple of months for uh, macular degeneration. Uh, I okay. have an ophthalmologist that I don't see because um, the retinal specialist and the optometrist that specializes in low vision has been more than adequate. I could see him. My question is, independent living is all I need. I'm, I'm up there in mid-70s. So, I'm not looking to work, but I am looking to stay in my patio home should I lose my wife. And right now, those are the problem. That I, I've learned a lot through our, our local vision group. My point is, should I go ahead and contact them? That's my point. And do I really need to see an ophthalmologist, even though, you know, I've, I have one that, for emergency only? Because between the retinal specialist and the low vision specialist, I really don't think I, I need that person. But I could be wrong. I if if I was your counselor and if it was legal, I would I would agree with you. Your your the information that that the counselor could get, uh, it seems to me, would be adequate. Yes, okay. and and I would, David. I would absolutely uh, get all the information you can right now. It's the time to do it and become okay. um, become as independent. As okay. you possibly can. 
and I know your wife is there, and I'm sure she's very happy to help you, but, you know, sometimes it's it's nice for you to just be as independent as you possibly can. And, and for you to even be thinking about what are some areas where you'd really like to be doing more on your own. You know, would you like to be doing some cooking? Oh, ask her. What does she think you should be doing? Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I would try to... Pardon? Oh, my wife would tell me, so I would hope the council would, too. Yeah, yeah, and 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 as you, as you talk with with both of them, you you might be surprised that there are some that there are areas that um, yeah. I know when I when I in that process when I was applying for services uh, to help me with my graduate school stuff, mm-hmm. um, the independent living counselor said, "Do you need any independent living services?" Oh, yeah, and I said, I don't think so. "Yeah," and I and I said, "I don't think so." And he said, um, you probably do. Do you mind if I come by? <laughs> I would love him <laughs> and to I come knew, by. Yeah, and, yeah I, I knew him. And he, he he came by and he walked through the house and he said, um, do you have any um, oven mitts that go up to your elbow? How do you get stuff out of the oven? I said, well, no, I don't have oven mitts. Okay, let me write that down. Um, what's your timepiece? I don't, uh, how do you keep track of time? I could you use a timer, a Braille timer? How about, do you have a Braille timer? And I said, no, actually, I don't. Okay, I'll get you that. Um, I'll see your thermostat here has no markings on it. Do you know how to change your thermostat to make it where you, uh, well, no, I just kind of guessed at it. Okay, I can label that for you. What about your stove? How do you do that? What about your, and so, you know, over a period of a short time, he had identified several things that I was just kind of, you know, getting by with doing it the best way I could because I, I live alone um, that it really really enhanced my um, my ability to live alone more successfully and my safety you know so that I would absolutely go that direction David okay well thank you for your advice I appreciate it well I'm, I I know it's after nine and I want to be I, I appreciate this guys and I'm totally good with you know Again, I'm not the one with the money in, in this scenario, so it, I'd be happy to help in any way I can. I want to talk about stuff. And I think their website, it may have changed, but I think it would link to the right site. Um, the uh, OVR's, that agency's website used to be blind.ky.gov. Well, this has been really good. And uh, thanks again, Debbie, for um, doing this for us. Hopefully people have gotten some tips uh, that are maybe wanting to make some changes. My pleasure, for sure. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.